This is a song that needs the real intro intro, but it's okay, Rich. What does everyone do, Rich? <laughs> Everybody lies. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to episode 98 of the Light Shed podcast. Walter Pisick, Richard Greenfield, Brandon Ross, coming at you. And whatever I can't believe you remember the, after that long intro. I just can't <laughs> believe you so remember the episode short. number. Um, Rich, you've always said you wanted to uh, claim the URL everybodylies.com. So when Arcade Fire came out with new music yesterday, which kind of like spurred this song choice. Um, I thought it would be perfect for you and your Everybody Lies URL. Um, you might have to get Everybody like IO at this point. Because <laughs> you think you someone's get, already bought it. Of course. The internet's been around for a, for a long time. Right? What does IO stand for? That was, that's, I, whenever I see those website domains. Input-output, isn't it? Isn't it input-output? I mean, maybe not, but I always assume. Maybe not. Whenever I see it, I just think sketch. Sorry if anyone <laughs> out mean, there. It's like I feel like half the companies that um, that we look at in ventures are .ios at this point. Part of, part of me is like, you know, when we were choosing our URL and we had to go to someone had light shed. Um, dot com and wanted to charge us like a million dollars for it, even though no one else would ever use that URL. Like, what the fuck's a light shed? Um, we had to go to lightshedtmt.com. Maybe we should have just been lightshed.io. I think what we've learned through this whole <laughs> process is it doesn't matter what your URL is because nobody actually types it in anyway. So Everyone just clicks. And so in a world of clicking, your URL is completely irrelevant. I know it looks sketchy. I think that's a fair comment, Walt, but it honestly doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Well, you know, when we were doing our branding process and having all those arguments, uh, most of the things that we dinged out were because the .com wasn't there. We could have opened sure. up a whole new set of uh, brand names. So, so should we change our brand name? No. No, can you can you have a dollar sign in a domain name? <laughs> I don't think actually no. It, I don't know how that works. I don't know what the rules are. Of just, I, I, what about light shed with a dollar sign for the I, yes? I, Paul brought this up the other day. We we used to call ourselves TMT, the money team, just like um, what what's the boxer Floyd Mayweather? Yeah, Floyd Floyd Mayweather. And then We're I met him BTIG. in person at the Super Bowl and realized that I do not want to be a part of the money team. <laughs> Talk about sketch stuff going on at that hotel. Jesus. He was, he was on my floor at the Super Bowl when the Eagles really? won. Yeah. What what specifically was going on? Mm, let's not talk about that. Let's <laughs> go to the first slide. <laughs> okay. Off to the first sketch. slide we go. Yeah. 
Um, uh, Brandon, why don't you read it? And then we'll play the short audio after. Sure. Um, This is from Jake Paul giving us props um, live from the UFC call. Ari Emanuel asked about fighter comp and benefits driven by the attention Jake Paul, all caps, is bringing to it by Lightshed. S is capitalized. Thank you. Ari refused to comment on the concern around percentage paid to UFC fighters versus other athletes in other leagues. Change is coming, y'all. So let's play the audio of this is Ari responding yeah, to so, Brandon's question on the call about well, the- he's responding. I think what we have here is the response, my response to his response, which basically what Ari said was. Um, fighter comp over the last however many years is up 600%. Um, okay, so he didn't answer the question about splits. So Go here's ahead. the answer on splits. I'm not commenting on that. I think we've done very well as it relates to the pay for the fighters. Thank you. Next question. He, just, so, and he also gave you a next. Yeah, yes. that's so my job. By the way, I'm the next guy. Next. If anyone's been in our internal yeah, well, meetings, he just, he just turned it right back on you. Next, so when you when they when you say six hundred thousand six hundred percent, was that total payments? Is that payment per fighter? Like what what was the context I, of the six hundred percent? I think that's overall um, fighter pay, and even on a per okay. fighter basis, that's probably somewhere in the ballpark. The point that so, I made right before that to him was that. That revenue for UFC was up way, 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 way more percent. And if you look at the major leagues, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, there's generally like a 50-50 split between the players and ownership. And that's not the case here. But And also, isn't Jake Paul's point on this, like percentages can tend to hide things. So... Is 600% meaning that they're getting like whatever, um, $60 as opposed to 10 per fight? Because the reality is the question is, are they getting paid a um, a justified amount? And then secondly, and I think Jake has, has um, pointed some of the stuff out in terms of um, healthcare, training costs, things like that, is, is, is the league picking up all of those expenses? So when you just give a percentage and we don't know what the base is and we don't know what the other items are, Low like base. You, you can talk about like a football player and the minimum um, that a football player get, whatever it is, or baseball that just bumped it up, but they also get free trainers, right? And all this other stuff that's not included for the UFC fighter. So it's, you know, splits obviously are another big part of it, but it's also like, are what money are these people getting when they're getting their faces bashed in? Yeah. I mean, they're basically putting their lives on the line every time they get in the ring. Now I know the Vegas performance center is something that they've spoken about and is a big deal where they could go and train. Um, but yeah, what, what is the compensation when you put your, your life on the line? The, the, the pushback on the other side is, what's exactly the alternative, right? Like there is, um, they may not yep. be making what they, they deserve. Yeah, but the, okay. That's what you said to a coal miners how many years ago, Rich? Like, okay, what's your alternative, dude? Get in the coal mine or you're just going to like not feed your family. Does it make it right? 
I think there's one legitimate pushback on on this, and hopefully we'll get uh, Dana White and Jake Paul, somebody, maybe both sides on Light Shed Live in the future. But I think if you look at the more individualized sports, and I don't know the exact numbers, but tennis and golf, you know, the the one man shows or one woman shows. Um, I think the splits are much lower than they are for the team sports where you need to support um, uh, many more, I guess, players, employees, whatever you want to call. So that might be one legitimate argument. I'd be curious to look at what the numbers are there. But what is the why doesn't the free market solve this, meaning that why doesn't some other media company basically just start up a competing product and pay people more money, attract the better talent and like the free market should handle this. Why hasn't it? That's a good PFL, question. PFL has, you small, know, though, the, but it's Don, small. Yeah, Don Davis did his thing, but the promotion just isn't as big. I mean, obviously Dana White um, has, has built this knows what he's doing. There have been, And we've discussed this on the podcast before rumors or speculation of other leagues being started that give much higher splits to the fighters. The other thing is, um, I think, and this is important to this point, I think the most popular or best fighter right now, um, just Francis is walking away from UFC because of not enough, um, not not high enough comp and, and that and that's Francis, kind of a big deal right well i i think so i don't know a lot about this but i think from what i'm told by our resident expert mark kelly francis is a very one of the top fighters and i thought those are the dick guys that get he, heavyweight that champ. Extra, right so he he yep. gets paid those extra juice payments so like if that guy wants to get out what about the one that's what about the rando person that's not getting those extra juice payments that they give out, you know, on the, that weekly fight? Again, I'm a bit over my skis here because I don't know the full dynamics of it, but presumably he's making more than many, many of the other UFC fighters. So, you know, what's the issue there? Don't still, know. Not, still not enough. Yeah. And I mean, you saw, you see a lot of like these union issues with MLB. And those who are kind of like in charge, in charge from a player um, perspective, guys like Max Scherzer, who are heavily involved in the negotiations, he's getting paid $40 million a year by Stevie Cohen, but he was fighting for the lower men on the totem pole because they're a union, right? And maybe uh, Francis Ngano is, you know, also concerned about the other fighters, not just himself, because it's a brotherhood. It'll definitely be interesting to watch. So moving on, we've got um, sort of one of the more surprising tweets of the week was Kevin Mayer, um, obviously former head of uh, all of Disney you know, streaming platforms or direct to consumer, I guess, was the old title of the group he ran at Disney and then TikTok. And now he's building a content empire at, at Candle Media with, with Tom Staggs. He went to South by Southwest and he was literally quoted saying Netflix will have ads within two years. And then he tweeted out, mark my words, really <laughs> re-highlighting the tweet that he is confident. And, and it's just this is just particularly ironic, Brandon, because didn't he run a service or built a service called Disney Plus that when he was there had no ads? Now, now it's going <laughs> to. 
I, I mean, look, there. Yes, he did. There is um, a lot of irony in that. I think just kind of like unpacking Walt's favorite word, what what he says here. First of all, one thing we have seen is this now popularity of adding ad supported. Disney has has added ad supported, and maybe that's influencing his thinking to a certain extent. And I think the other thing is, and this is, there's been plenty of investor concern about this kind of, you know, slowing down of sub trends at Netflix for whatever reason that's that's happening, and uh, looking for a way to reaccelerate those trends. And I think if you pulled the slide back up and we go and read the the second tweet here, go ahead. Um, I could do it from IGN. Netflix will test a new feature that limits password sharing in three countries months after announcing price increases. Again, as you know, you have a slowdown in subgrowth. This is another way to unlock subgrowth. So I think they're kind of both. Both these tweets are hitting at the same theme here. What do you guys yeah, think? It, well. But but one of them is actually happening, Brandon. The other is simply right. being speculation, you know, speculated, right? So Netflix is definitely tweaking password sharing. They've made the service important enough, used enough by enough people that it's become very hard. You know, when you probably have sometimes five or six people actively using, I'm sure they're doing this to the people that have been most active and most using it. You start everyone named it. Ross ever, I think, uses my account. As, so the as point as is. It, <laughs> So it gets easier and easier to tweak password sharing when you've got people spending X amount of time per day and they know exactly who the abusers are, right? Like it's got to be completely obvious with IP addresses and locations, who's the biggest abusers and you tweak those people. Advertising is a whole different story, right? Yeah. Kevin's it's basically saying this can't work long-term unless it has ads, which again, I just find it very hard to believe that that's going to be the right answer for, I mean, I certainly don't think Look, Eddie Q and Apple's doing ads anytime soon. I don't think Amazon's doing ads anytime soon. So outside of IMDb. Yeah. But yeah. But it's a totally different service. Um, again, and, and I think we may have discussed this last week or the week after Netflix has been steadfast that their point of differentiation and what their brand stands for is no ads. We have brought it up in several meetings with them. Um, the last of which, you know, Spencer Wong, who runs IR for them, basically rolled his eyes when we asked the question and there was denial on the other side of the table. The one thing is in the, in I, the last conference, maybe it was Morgan Stanley, it seemed like Spence Newman was changing his tune just a little bit on the, on the possibility of doing ads in the future. Um, and maybe... Kevin picked up on that. What, what song do we open with? <laughs> well lies. done, Walt. Okay, my, lies, my lies. Okay, lies. Okay, so Spencer, the IR person, is saying one thing. How many times have you talked to IR that's <laughs> giving a certain spin? Secondly, Kevin Mayer, um, you know, Rich, you know him better than anybody, I think. I believe, maybe not. That Couldn't that tweet be the fact that maybe at Disney he was pushing for this? Just because it didn't happen there, that maybe he internally wanted to do it. And this is like him kind of, you know, in his 
new role or new, you know, Twitter. And or the third thing is like, isn't he, couldn't he just be dunking on Netflix? Like, Hey, if I'm a Netflix hater, if I'm an outsider, like, Oh, you guys are going to have to do advertising. Not because he actually believes that just basically dunking on the fact that maybe they've got some headwinds, um, you know, in the upcoming months in the U S market thoughts. Look, if you're creating content, which is what Kevin Mayer is doing now, he's got a huge content company that he's building. You want as big and successful of buyers as possible. And so if he believes that advertising gets you more subs and a bigger platform and the ability to spend more on content, he would want it not just for Disney, he would want it for Netflix and for everyone. So I sort of think you're probably right, Walt. I hadn't really thought about that angle, but I think you're probably right. He probably wanted Disney to do ads and I bet Iger was against it, didn't want to put ads and he saw what he thought ads could do at Disney Plus. So he's probably happy with what Disney's doing now and relating it to Netflix. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked by that view at all. I think it's a great take. Or he, again, as Walt brought up, he's talking his own book now, and Maybe. he wants to expand the pie as much as possible, so there's more demand for his content at Candle Media. I would rem- be remiss not to just add one additional point. I know, Rich, you'd like to go charging forward before I can get my final points in. Um. <laughs> Um, Verizon, a plus play, and the benefit that it can have, and telco operators can have to their, to their. Uh, um, sorry, I was just distracted there. For <laughs> yeah, I, that was horrible. <laughs> um, I want to encourage everybody who is only listening to the podcast this week, absolutely not to watch the video because what I just saw horrified me. You guys Sorry. are so mean to me. Me, I, you just me. crushed. I was in the middle of a thought, and then I'm just <laughs> looking at this. Can can we pause the there's, podcast? There's water. I need it's to a get a. Sweaty. I need a to get sweaty. a bucket to vomit that. right <laughs> now. Like, this is what I don't understand. Rich, remember that commercial with the, with the uh, what was it? Sure, for whatever product that was. Like you could be, you know, I don't know. Rich, you know, you know, Doctor Zeichner. I, he, he gives Botox injections under armpits to stop profuse sweating like we just saw. You guys that are was so absolutely so vile. So the, the, so the issue with, <laughs> but, but Walt, your point, I guess, is your point is just simply, God, this is I, just I lost so my bad. point. I lost my point. Half point. We were talking Verizon uh, plus play. Yes. Yes, just plus the the, <laughs> the role that the telcos will have in helping. Yes, so then helping the the streamers out there in terms of reducing churn. And look, when you're going to go to pat, look at the end of the day, we I password share. If you define my kid in college using Netflix, so if they're going to force my kid in college to pay for Netflix, I mean, what am I going to do? I'm not going to fucking cancel Netflix. He's just going to share with his roommates. So if his roommates had their own family accounts, it'll be a different type of sharing. It's, it'll all be location based, uh, presumably. So it is like, look, Netflix has that power. And then there'll be rage by certain Netflix customers. You know, a telco has an ability to help in that process. So embrace it. Speaking of content bundles, we've got HBO Max and Discovery Plus. The CFO, Gunnar, uh, confirmed this week that Discovery Plus will be folded into HBO Max. That's the price I assume will go up a couple of bucks. Um, you know, probably 
be cheaper still, obviously, on the ad-supported version, maybe even more of a focus on the ad-supported version coming out of the merger. But this was in our top 22 for 22. This was our advice to Zaslav that you can't run, you know, that the, that the Disney idea, the synthetic bundle of running separate services is suboptimal. And it was funny, the same week that this news came out about HBO Max and Discovery sort of confirming it, at the same time, Disney announced that they were going to have new bundles without ESPN Plus. So they're now talking about a true Disney Plus Hulu bundle, still not one integrated service, which is what you know Brandon has and, and I've been sort of like ranting yeah. about for, for, for far too long. Maybe it's beginning the path to that. I mean, obviously doing ads on Disney Plus, now creating a Disney Plus and Hulu bundle. I mean, it sort of seems like it's leading to a conclusion of they're going to be one service. The only problem is they still have to buy out Comcast and they have to spend, you know, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, 15 billion dollars to do that. And well, Comcast you know, is, you know, kind of like edging towards that because they pulled their content off of Hulu, right? They did. And so it's like the question is, is like, what but the question is, why is all this like, what are we waiting for? Like Disney redid their deal, distribution deal with Comcast. Comcast took back their content for NBC from Hulu. Why, like, why not just do the larger valuation, rich valuation? And, and the market has been extremely turbulent. Valuations um, in the space have changed pretty dramatically. Netflix went from like close to 700 to 360 or whatever it is today. Um, all across tech, everything has gotten shot. So maybe it's just hard to figure out what the right valuation number is now. Look, non sequitur, but I have to jump in here because you keep saying talking about Comcast and this. Like, w- their streaming strategy in general extends beyond not having this Hulu in the bundle. It's just why are there still two apps? I mean, every weekend, it's not even funny anymore. It's it's embarrassing. <laughs> no, no. Like it makes no sense. And maybe there's some contract stuff you can tell me, but you own the EPL rights. This is a driver of at least three to four million regular watchers in your program. You create aggravation every week for someone looking to find what app your game is on. And then after the game is off, they just flip it off. You would think you would want to roll into your programming of the announcers pitching the other product. This is like fucking, you know, the basics 101 of how to retain a customer within your ecosystem. And they're flipping you between apps in between games, it's fucking ridiculous. The good, it's the been good old lead multiple in. years. But, but this is this is no different than UFC. Where they split it between ESPN the channel and ESPN Plus the streaming service. This is a Dude, symptom. It's, this it's is a ev- symptom of yeah. living in both worlds. Everybody is but trying to thread the, the needle. Apps. Just You're... stick the just stick all the games in one app. <laughs> How hard is that? What's the what's the reason? There's no re- there's no logical reason double why dipping. that exists. Double dip the there, it's it's a reason. it's business model. It's not consumer first, and it's, eventually drive your NPS scores as low as possible. So when the consumer has to decide on which streams to keep and not keep, that maybe this is the one that they fucking dump because they're <laughs> no, sick no. of dealing with this. Um, Comcast is graded NPS scores, right? Look, look, exactly. <laughs> Great point, Brandon. I no, gave no, you a fucking the- layup on that one. Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> no, look. I mean, Brandon's right. I remember that Charlie Ergen quote. He has that famous quote where Charlie Ergen talks about when he negotiates with other media companies, it's always talking about the business model. You know, he always they always bring the business model briefcase in. 
they never bring in what does the consumer want? Like they never focus on the consumer. This has nothing to do with you, Walt. This has only to do with making sure they get the economic return that they are seeking on the content they spent on. This is not about your experience. Has always been the biggest problem with legacy media. Sorry, Walt. Go ahead. I was going to say that, but isn't the economic return at some point driven by subscribers not churning? That is the long. So the long, (laughs) those who have a long-term vision, Jeff Bezos, Reed Hastings, that, that has been the philosophy, right? And it has paid off in the long run. There has been a lot of managing quarter to quarter in traditional media, which is getting better than it was. I think we'd all um, agree with that as, as these companies have had no choice, but that's still in their DNA. Can I just give you devil's advocate? Because I'm sure there's someone out there thinking in their head, like, well, shut up, Walt, because you know, you're such a Liverpool fan that you're gonna you're gonna subscribe anyway. You, you're hundred percent correct, listener, that fictional listener that's thinking that. However, like when the season's over, theoretically, I could just flip a switch and turn that app off if I'm paying for Peacock for the extra five dollars or whatever it is. And versus had you created a good user experience where you're marketing other content to me that's on that app. And then to tie in what you guys are saying, maybe include other assets of Hulu or whatever, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. and then you're going to retain me as a customer and potentially get more money out of me. Like this, this is not rocket science. <laughs> I mean, I just don't understand. I nominate Walt for streaming head. Let's move on. <laughs> it's, you're right, but it's just ridiculous. Brandon, go ahead. Let's go to Lust Garden. Sure. I'm going to read this one off. New York basketball new Andrew Lustgarden steps down as president of MSG Entertainment, which runs the garden to focus on being CEO of MSG Sports, which runs the Knicks and Rangers. So I think there's a couple of things um, that that are going on here. Um, One is let's get go to Jim Dolan and Jim. At the time he announced the sphere, a lot of what we wrote about was that his number one interest right now going forward is in the entertainment space. And he wanted to You actually use the word Elon Musk, I think, in the title of that blog post, right? Like that this was his like Elon Musk moment or something like that. Yeah, I think (laughs) he actually going back to what I wrote, yes. I think that he he talked about Elon in his and how Elon changed the world of of auto um, and how he wanted to change the world of live entertainment um, in the product unveil at Radio City at the time. So this has been his passion point. They're moving from kind of this construction phase as anyone who's seen pictures of what's going on sphere now, the LEDs. are surrounding the sphere. They're getting a lot closer to opening um, and moving from, from the construction phase to really the, the growth phase and brand building phase. So he bought, he brought someone in um, to kind of run the sphere. Um, Watson, who you know from Google, Rich? Yep, I do. Lucas ran. He was basically one of the most senior ad execs at Google. I'm not sure the connection to running the sphere. No, he. I guess he, there's a lot he, of sponsorship opportunities. Well, yeah, that's going to be a big part of it. He he um, 
he ran the the brand advertising business um, for Google, and I think he had some other like growth and brand building experience at P and G and other places before that. So that's going to be a big part of it. As you're probably building a brand that transcends Vegas, I think they're going to probably want to go and um, license out the design to for others um, to build in other markets. Um, and and now you're you're worried about bringing in residencies, filling it, um, other sort of um, revenue opportunities at the sphere. Um, that's where Jim probably wants to be and have the right executive who's who's built that before. And then on the flip side, at sports, there's still a lot of opportunities to unlock, whether it's in sports betting, and we know who the beneficiaries of sports betting have been in New York, those like um, Madison Square Garden and the teams, um, number one. And number two, the NBA, especially, and NHL also, Looking for Number a lot three, of the consumer who was yeah. getting all that free money and promotions. <laughs> that was awesome. But um, looking at international opportunities and Andy will, will focus his time there. So it makes sense. I'm sure his family's probably happy that he doesn't have both jobs anymore. <laughs> it's like having to like, that's a lot. Moving on to, we've got two tweets on AR. I think this is a topic that we're going to keep hearing more and more about is sort of bigger companies get more involved. Obviously, Snap has been there all along. It sounds like Snap, this is from Yanko Rogers, Snap plans to turn every public space into an AR experience. Like already, like you could basically take your camera on your phone and point it at the Eiffel Tower and experiences or, you know, filters would unlock and sort of different things would would happen when you basically point it at certain objects. It sounds like now they want to do that for everything. But what's yep. interesting is that, you know, companies that sort of haven't been very visible, obviously one big one, um, is Apple, which obviously we know behind the scenes is clearly working on things for AR. But Google is now um, acquiring a component maker for AR devices after discussing a $1 billion value for the, for the deal, rivals Apple and Snap and similar buys. This is from the information. But it just, it sounds like AR is heating up. And, uh, you know, it's funny. The, the reason I put this slide in or one of these slides in is that it's happening at the exact same time that we're increasingly questioning like this whole Mark Zuckerberg meta VR world. Well, yeah, that's VR. But you also ha have to remember, Zuck has said that AR is going to be a big part of um, of meta strategy. Mixed reality, I think, is where is where this is all going. The ability to you know layer on digital experiences and information seamlessly into the real world, and the ability to take a step back into the digital world and do more things um, with others in the digital world. There, there, yeah. there is overlap if, here. Yeah. I just struggle that if you, you, if you're starting with a place that people don't actually love, meaning VR and versus a Snapchat, starting with AR and leaning yeah. in heavily to AR, can you recapture? Like if, if people stop using Facebook as much, stop using Instagram as much, like I look at my kids usage of, Instagram relative to TikTok, or even, you know, looking at what's happened to Snapchat versus Instagram. Like it, it is shocking to see how little Instagram is used today versus two years ago when yeah. I compare it to their usage of TikTok. Like it's I, just crazy. I, I understand that, but we're talking specifically about who's going to win the AR war now. 
right? And if you look at all of these brands, they each have major funnels um, to pull from. So whoever has the best hardware combined with the best app ecosystem, because there's got to be killer apps for AR that probably third parties develop, is going to probably win. And if you look at Apple, right? Apple has been the best at creating the app store experience. Well, I I would phrase that a different way. Okay, go ahead, Walt. It's the same. It's the same conclusion, but just worded differently. Um, if I'm a deve- if I'm a third party developer developing AR, whether I'm Snap or someone else, I'm going to iOS first because that's where people that have money are, right? Well, and that then, too. Yeah, you're also going to do Android <laughs> for for certain. It's not like there's not going to be Android apps. So you're doing both, but you know, Apple is going to you know, be obviously a premier area for where um, developers want to develop on. And secondly, Apple is going to try and create a phone that has um, not only the functions, meaning the speed, power, stuff that's not going to burn your battery. They're also going to claim that the number of people on on, that have iPhones are on that most up-to-date operating system, which Android has issues with in terms of people being on a variety of different operating systems that obviously are going to come to play. And then the third leg of the stool is privacy. I mean, look again, your camera's on, (laughs) your camera's on, and I'm sure there's going to be an element that cook is going to layer into this talking about how important privacy is again. And they're really, you know, going to continue to hammer that home as one of their kind of um, differentiating factors for that platform. Fantastic point. Let's move on to. Uh, a little Live Nation, Brandon. Um, hopefully, we don't have to read this whole thing, but why don't you start off with what Joe Birch told said this week? Sure. Um, I think there's only one piece of this that matters um, from uh, the Deutsche Conference. So, comma, the demand has been there incredibly strong. I know we'll get into the numbers, but our pipeline of tickets sold. We've sold over 50 million tickets for shows, concerts this year now, up from 45 million or so a week, a few weeks ago. So you've seen Live Nation stock um, really take a leg down um, during this sort of uh, oil crisis, I'll call it, during... um, during the the Russia war, the Russia-Ukraine war. And a lot of the reason is people are worried that as gas prices go up, people are going to not travel to as many concerts. And if you kind of go back in time, the and a lot of clients have done it, we did it, um, search for when they had talked about this issue in the past, the last time was like 2011, and Irving Azoff said, well, it is affecting concert demand and is going to affect concert demand, you know, in the coming summer. That was so, a long time ago. That was a long time a ago. Long and I think, I ago. think when you, when you think about what people value now, we've talked a lot about the experience economy over the last several years and how much more important experiences are, especially concerts than they used to be. Um, I think, when people make choices, they're probably going to opt, especially with the pent up demand to continue to go to shows. And that's playing out in the numbers already. 5 million extra tickets sold in a couple of weeks is crazy. This is going to be 
I mean, we don't, everyone knows it, a, a, a massive record year um, for Live Nation and probably the beginning of a, a multi-year boom cycle um, in an industry that has had secular growth. You know what uh, all those extra ticket sales mean to me? That you probably could have charged a higher price. Uh, there we go. <laughs> and... Michael Rapino will be on Lightshed Live a week from Monday, and we are sure, Walt, that you are going to bring that up. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> and he is ready for it. <laughs> so, so one of my favorite tweets of this week is um, Amazon closed on its eight and a half billion dollar acquisition of MGM. That's not what's interesting. The interesting tweet is from Ben Fritz, who says approved, but not over. Quote, an FTC spokeswoman declined to comment specifically on the Amazon deal, but noted the commission, quote, may challenge a deal at any time if it determines that it violates the law. Now, I'm not sure that means it's not over. That sort of seems like a stretch based on that quote. But good luck, government. Good luck trying to uh, uh, open up this transaction, which we didn't even understand how they would sue in the first place, because there's hard to see how there's consumer harm of Amazon owning MGM. They certainly don't dominate the entertainment landscape. Uh, and MGM is certainly not a major player. They have a deep library, but it would be epic to see the government try to attack this closed transaction. I mean, that's not new, right? That They've always had the power to go back to transactions right. and do that. And and when um, Lena Khan was uh, appointed um, by Joe Biden and then confirmed, um, you know, there was comments about going back to past transactions that have been approved within the broader space. And that has not yet happened. Unscrambling eggs obviously would be very difficult. And that's just kind of always been a threat out there, but it's, you know, it hasn't happened. And to your point, I wouldn't say good luck. Like they, they could do stuff. And we've talked about this on past pod- podcasts. You could just, you know, you're effectively creating precedence. So I just feel like it's like, it's, it is narrative control, meaning that that spokesperson is just saying, like, don't think that we're weak just because we knew, well, we can always go back. <laughs> like, you know, there was no, there no reason it's just on spin. this deal anyway. Of course, um, there wasn't. The government- and, and, why, and, why, and why not say that? Why not say, like, we've evaluated it and we're not going to do it? But, like, it's almost like, hey, I'm just, when, when someone puffs their chest out that far, it just, shows i think weakness if anything else like lead by your actions as opposed to just oh yeah but we're gonna we could come back and get you we'll see what happens and we just talked about live nation um and this idea of unscrambling the egg is something that they've dealt with a a couple of years ago um maybe three or four or so years ago um the government came back to look at the uh, Ticketmaster Live Nation deal. And what they wound up doing was behavioral. They extended the consent decree. They didn't unscramble the egg. And they came up with some very specific um, remedies in case there was any kind of missteps on the Ticketmaster Live Nation side. They didn't undo the deal. Right. That, and and yet, most people closed. will tell you that behavioral remedies. Are typically weak and, and we can go through some yeah. of the things that occurred with you know with comcast and nbc sure. that were promised and but unscrambling uh, the egg is a totally different right thing. or restructuring right it's it's hard enough to to block on a on a structural basis but then to actually go back after the fact again i don't know again if, if you're gonna if you're gonna try and do that and it's a disaster you're just shooting your, yourself in the foot in terms of the long-term legacy of being able to do anything in the future Next. it was 
funny with well, uh, no, no, the, no, no, the Live no. Nation thing, though. It, it did come up again this week, Rich and Walt, where it was said some senators, because of uh, a, a segment that John Oliver did, were going to go and look at the Ticketmaster Live Nation merger again. I mean, clearly, they just went through this negotiation a couple of years ago and settled and settled out what was going to happen. So that's obviously bullshit. But the only thing I wanted to touch on is obviously this transaction closing, assuming the government doesn't sue and somehow win and break this up. This deal closing is positive for Lionsgate. Lionsgate's trying to sell itself positive for Viacom, like just anyone who has a content operation in legacy media trying to sell to a tech company. There was fear that if this deal was blocked or stopped, that it would sort of make it more difficult. Now, I don't know if there's a tremendous urge from other tech companies to go out and buy other content studios. I don't think that's clear yet, but I do think that at the margin, this is a positive for companies that are looking to sell themselves to tech. What about Microsoft, this Microsoft Activision deal? I mean, this has to be kind of deemed a positive for that for that deal. Much different and, size, much different size. Of course, of right? course. I mean, fraction of the size. But you also had uh, Google announce a deal um, that was, I think, what, the second biggest deal or so that yeah. they've ever done. So this idea that the large tech companies can't to like participate just, in just MA. Facebook, just Facebook, <laughs> Maybe, or Meta, Meta, just Meta. I was going to say, may just be Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Um, Walt, why don't you read this since you're our resident EPL? Or Joe Pompliano. This is not EPL, this is La Liga. Yeah, it's not whatever. EPL. <laughs> what, what, it just it shows is, you how it is whatever out. because I don't really care about La Liga. Um, it's, it's kind of a boring league in my opinion. But Joe Pompliano tweets, breaking, Barcelona has agreed to a massive four-year, $310 million sponsorship deal with Spotify. Their home stadium will now be called Spotify Camp Nou, uh, and Spotify's logo will be on both men's and women's shirts. That's over $75 million annually with this dude's head exploding. Um Whatever. I mean, this is like obviously soccer is in, um, important, but this is just another. This is like Nick Coinbase naming a stadium, or or um, Anthony Noto, you know, with the SoFi Stadium. Like, it's just companies spend money. Like, who, like does this really? It's a big number for sure. Maybe what they should do is go to Chelsea, um, who I think lost their logo um, from three. Maybe that's going to be under their new owners. That'll be up for bid again. I, I like to see Spotify on some Chelsea um, shirts. I just think this, I mean, look, I, I wonder whether these deals ever actually make sense economically. I mean, and there's obviously a lot of vanity in them. I just don't know whether there's ever actually economic sense in naming rights deals. I always question whether it really is the right, you know, marketing strategy. But I think a lot of times I mean, companies buy everyone stadium. knows. I think there's sponsorship for stadiums sometimes if there's an enterprise business, right? Because there's sports related. If you sponsor, a, a, you know, the golf, like there's you're taking like, you know, enterprise type customers. there. like Spotify is a consumer facing thing. They already have decent brand. Like, is their share low in Spain? <laughs> Even if well, it was I, low I in Spain, is this going to fix Barca, it? Bar Barca is a real global brand. Though, True. Right. Like, especially, I mean, obviously Messi and Neymar aren't on the, on the team anymore, but you were talking about, you know, some of the, you know, most well sold and you know sure. jerseys in of the course. world with you know guys yeah, with yeah. the biggest social followings in the world. 
Uh, there is definitely everyone knows Emirates is associated with Barca, and we're not soccer people, right? Um, so yeah, I think I, I think you're right. If there's global reach to it, but again, like I don't know, was their brand not? No, Spotify's brand not known. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. I will say this: it's just a fucking stadium sponsorship or a team sponsorship. Big deal. Brandon, go ahead with uh, board apes. Talk, talk, talking to investors though. You're, you know, one of the big issues with Spotify is what the margin profile looks like, right? right. And I don't think this, this is, makes a difference though in the scheme of things. Like this is a tiny, this is a pimple in the scheme of Spotify. Well, we should probably should not even have it on the podcast. The bottom line. Let's move on. Like I don't think this is not going to affect Spotify's overall margins. I mean, if that's I mean, investors' fear, like I mean, there are state there are things called stadium curses though when you name a stadium. And- like the curse of the bambino exactly <laughs> what the- next waiting for board apes to sponsor uh or to name a stadium brandon sure is that next? um this is from coin market cap the creators of board ape yacht club have acquired the intellectual property of the crypto punks nft collection and will hand commercial rights to owners it's one of the biggest, most significant deals the sector has ever seen. And I believe that um, they also bought MeBits as well. And uh, this guy, Farouk here says, uh, Yaga Labs building the Web3 version of Disney would not be surprised if they to, if we see them announce more IP acquisitions. They're building an entire metaverse. It goes far beyond p2e play to play to earn um it's going into land and much more okay there's hey, a couple just, can there's I, can a I couple just start of things off? here okay yeah go ahead okay. let me just start off by saying it's not like just a picture of mickey mouse or a picture of a star wars person like that's not what makes or or it's not like the drawings of iron man is what makes it into a massive content successful company it's storytelling it's not yep. just the iconography and totally. i just feel like totally this and is especially fun. if you if you look at the punks and and weave it like there's nothing particularly interesting about the the pfp art itself it, it was all kind of like about the community on those now the board apes is something that and we've discussed this also a lot is something that's different because of what the ownership there now looks like you have a lot of talent, music talent, film talent, sure. television talent that now owns these things that also has the commercial rights to them, to their individual um, PFPs. So they are incentivized to make great content out of it. Plus, I think the artwork in the apes itself lends itself more to, to, um, to, to being something. So for sure, but but just because you have a nice picture or a nice JPEG, doesn't yeah, but mean you get but a great you also no no no. What's series. different here, Rich, with the apes and not the punks, because that's a different community, is that you have real talent that wants to that wants to see those apes become something more. It's Meaning, the collection it's of Fallon it's or- the collection of owners that are involved. Um. Okay. But on, on the punks, that's not there. So next thing is going forward right now, they're, they're really, as it says in the tweet, like starting with 
um, play to earn games and using the PFPs for that. I think that's probably the wrong start. I think they should probably start with, you know, television or film where their ownership talent lies, number one. And number two, where they're more likely to build a big brand to a wider audience because the play to earn audience right now is in non-monetizing markets like Southeast Asia. And there hasn't been a real business model to, to figure that out. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just, it just I, again, I just get upset when I see like we're building the Disney of Web3 or whatever. It just seems like everyone just wants to call everything the next Disney, the next metaverse. Like everyone just yep. keeps jumping on this bandwagon. Let's actually see them create some like real content that people love and enjoy. It's it's not so easy. I mean, look at how hard it's been for DC Comics to live up to Marvel, right? It's not That's this is not point. easy. It, just because you have you know you have a brand that somebody knows or a picture pictures or characters like it's just not easy one interesting thing here is though like the board apes owners had the commercial rights to their pfps and um uh or their nfts really now uh the punks also will will have those rights so if there is anything built with their ip they will get paid and i think that model um going forward seems to be the one that will take hold so just from an ownership and and what you're buying when you buy these nfts um is a little bit more meaningful we can move on let's uh we'll stick with nfts for a second we've got this is from coin telegraph marketplace magic Eden to collaborate with overtime on basketball themed nft collections the the comment I got from uh, from overtime was that they sold out in the first three minutes, um, six figure dollars, and it just you know it, I guess we just keep seeing there is this rabid consumer enthusiasm um, for these NFTs. Yet you know I think it's still very early in terms of what the utility is. You know I guess we talked a little bit about the community. Maybe community it becomes the utility, Brandon. Like maybe that's the one of the big takeaways is community is going to be the key driver um, rather than sort of broader utility beyond that, like in terms of like what it grants you or rights or, yep. you know, even maybe monetary, maybe it is just the community. I mean, I feel like. And we've talked, people- we've talked about that a lot it, as NFTs being a community organizing principle. Yeah. I just wonder how much people will ultimately pay to be part of a community. I guess that's the question. It depends what community it is. Right. Yeah, how, well, how special that club is. Well, I, I'm glad you said that because it's a perfect segue into our next tweet, which is how much people will be paid to be part of a community. We've got Adam <laughs> Aaron from, from AMC because this goes perfectly together. Uh, CEO Adam tweets, AMC is playing on offense again with a bold diversification move. We just purchased 22% of Highcroft Mining, NASDAQ HYMC of Northern Nevada. It has 15 million ounces of gold resources and 600 million ounces of silver resources. Our expertise to help them bolster their liquidity. Huh. So they just spent, I think, $28 million on HYMC stock rather than, you know, they basically underinvested in CapEx for the last two years. They have struggled to sort of stay alive. And now they're using the cash they raise rather than to improve their theaters or reduce their debt. They're buying into mining gold and silver. Well, they they are their core business is a broken business, so they're just taking shots elsewhere 
and hoping the apes will go drive that stock price up, I guess. Where the where are the credit holders here? Like I'm not oh, sure yeah. like if you're in that indebted, like can't you don't they oh. have some say in terms of use of cash? The bond sold out, sold off. I, I, I understand, but that. there's credit yeah. agreements in terms yeah. of what you can do with your. It's not like someone loans you money, and then you can just go and buy rando shit. Like what? What? What are the credit holders doing here? Like, I don't even understand. It's bizarre. <laughs> right, they should be forcing them to pay down debt. I mean, they remember they won't let them issue more equity. Not forcing them, they're just like you have a say. Like if you're, you know. I'm not going to use the terms that are used, but there's there's some pretty legal specific terms that can happen to companies that do stuff with their cash that are not permitted within the credit agreements. Anyway, whatever. Good luck, apes. Good luck, apes. Apes, um, okay, apes, let's move apes on. upon apes this week. We've got our last slide, which um, it was sort of the, it, it's a I guess the, the best way to talk about this is this is a deleted tweet, Brandon. <laughs> Maybe we should let's let's have Walt. Oh, no, Walt answer, is the biggest. And by the, the way, what? Andrew Chen, by the way, is who, who's from A16, um, and is who's a large owner of Clubhouse. And remember that uh, allegedly Twitter bid four billion dollars for this, which was turned down for Clubhouse. Thank but God. Andrew Chen was also, I remember during the pandemic, was the guy tweeting madly because a lot of these guys hate San Francisco, and maybe some of it's justified in terms of what the mayor has done there and the governor and, and what have you, but um, about how Miami was going to be the new, you know, the new place. I don't really see those tweets. In, like, I'm not sure what happened with Miami, but I know some, some of our hedge fund friends went down there and then have subsequently returned in any <laughs> event. Um, Andrew, who, who is this, you know, the owner of clubhouse, he tweets trying out this Twitter spaces thing, which is interesting again, because there's such a clubhouse, you know, they're the clubhouse owners. They get dunked on by Alex Heath saying clubhouse lead investor and board member, just stating a fact. And then Andrew, and we, we, the tweet you don't have there, Rich, is um, Andrew Chen then goes after him for, for saying, well, of course I would. I'm checking out the competition and like, you know, look it up, you know, competitive research, look it up, like just dunking on fucking Alex Heath. Meanwhile, dude, you fucking deleted your tweet. So like, if that's what you were doing, why did you delete the tweet then? Well, well and even better, Twitter Spaces isn't new. I mean, when did when did we start playing around with Twitter Spaces? Like a yeah. year plus ago. Yeah, like- nice, nice competitive research. You're doing it a year into <laughs> it launching. By the way, How did thorough. you did you see who um, who the host was of uh, of that Twitter Spaces? Who I did not pull it up. Pull it up. Can you still uh, do that? No, I can't because I'm already got the music playing in the background. Okay. But the host the host was Andreessen Harrell. No, it said network no. effect. No, go down. I literally am looking at it. It says network effect. Was, I think it, I think it said on chain monkey. Well, that was the that was who <laughs> tweeted it. Oh, I don't, okay. that was who tweeted it. I don't. I think that was yeah, the tweet. I, I don't. I don't know. You could be right. I no, don't Andrew. Know. He I was. I was, ju- no, I was just. It. Okay, but I was just sticking with the uh, several slide ape theme that we had going. And by on. the way, when you get called out. Like, Rich, I'll give you credit for this. Like, just own up to it. Like, yeah, you know what? That was probably dumb for me to do that. Like, don't like turn it around. Like, of course, you know, and just be, just own up own, to own anything it. and own up to one thing. Like, how about just owning up to like Clubhouse was a mistake and is not a media. Well, maybe company it was a mistake, but like, I, show me one tweet where he's owned up to anything. One. 
It is funny, though. Does anyone even really... I mean, Twitter Spaces is doing well. It obviously hasn't taken over the world. It, it is interesting how the entire topic, as the pandemic has faded, how, how live audio has faded as well, right? Like, there's just not a lot of conversation about yeah. live audio the way there was. Look, I mean, you I were take- staying up... You had me staying up till two in the morning to listen to Elon, Brandon, not too long ago. Yeah, because Elon was on, right? Right. Yeah. Something I learned literally nothing from. Yeah, it was it was a cult it was a cultural moment. I fucked that whole thing up. I thought it was gonna have more lasting power than it actually did. Um yeah. Well, I think spaces seems like it has lasting power though. Yeah. Because it's, it fits perfectly it's a tool. into Twitter. It's a right, it's, it's it. a tool as part of the platform. Right. So good good job, Clubhouse, for for um not selling <laughs> for four billion dollars. No, no, no. Well, that's not good job, that's bad job. Good job for I thought you were being sarcastic. No, no, no. Good, I'm saying good job. job. Good job for bringing something new to the market that now we can all benefit from in another app. <laughs> So, so they Walt, made they made life better for us all because I think Twitter Spaces does make our life better in terms of consuming some additional content, but you know they're not going to benefit from them because they should have just sold. But whatever. As we fade out on episode ninety-eight, Walt, I know you were very upset that I was drinking sangria on vacation yesterday. What should I be drinking? I wasn't upset. Is, yeah, whatever makes upset. you sweat. No, I wasn't the least. upset. I just said I just didn't understand why the glass was empty. You should fill it up. But I think that was uh, the issue. You're, you're, I think you're trying to create a narrative here that was. But oh, pina I thought, you, I thought are always, you were upset with me. No, I just said fill up your glass. And for all our listeners, please go out, fill your glasses up, enjoy the madness of March. We didn't even talk about that, by the way. Holy cow! And, there Kentucky, was, Kentucky, crazy. That was amazing. That's episode 98, everyone. Have a great weekend. Just kids. You can't dunk on kids. They're just kids. <laughs> they lost a game. Congrats to St. Peter's. John Calipari sucks. Where is he? <laughs> well, you can dunk on the coach. That's fine. Yeah. You can't dunk on the kids. And by the way, I will admit congrats to Michigan. They did show why they should be picked. Yeah, Indiana. they they did win. They're going to get their yeah. asses kicked and, by Tennessee. I know, but. Indiana got crushed and Michigan won. So that, at, so the, so the selection that, committee Walt. was And so by the, the way, but it was correct. Walt, I have to say something else. What? Um, my brother has started listening to the podcast now, yes. the Michigan man himself, and he says that you're by far his favorite quote character on uh, <laughs> because there's quote gravitas when you speak compared to when Rich and I speak. Well, congrats to Michigan. Well, <laughs> they did a well job. They validated their selection. Go Have a good everyone. week, everyone. We'll see you for 99. <laughs>